Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Midnight in Beauchambreau by Anna Catherine Green. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Julia Albat. Midnight in Beauchambreau by Anna Catherine Green. It was the last house in Beauchambreau, and it stood several rods away from its nearest neighbor. It was a pretty house in the daytime, but owing to its steep, sloping roof and small bediamonded windows, it had a lonesome nook at night, notwithstanding the crimson hall light which shone through the leaves of its vine-covered doorway. Ned Chivers lived in it with his six-months married bride, and as he was both a busy fellow and a gay one, there were many evenings when pretty Lady Shiver sat alone until near midnight. She was of an uncomplaining spirit, however, and said little, though there were times when both the day and evening seemed very long and married life not altogether the paradise she had expected. On this evening, a memorable evening for her, the 24th of December, 1894, she had expected her husband to remain with her, for it was not only Christmas Eve, but the night when, as manager of a large manufacturing concern, he brought up from New York the money with which to pay off the men on the next working day, and he never left her when there was any unusual amount of money in the house. But from the first glimpse she had of him coming up the road, she knew she was to be disappointed in this hope, and, indignant, alarmed almost, at the prospect of a lonesome evening under these circumstances, she ran hastily down to the gate to meet him, crying, Oh, Ned, you look so troubled. I know you have only come home for a hurried supper. But you cannot leave me to-night. Tenny, their only maid, has gone for a holiday, and I never can stay in this house alone with all that. She pointed to the small bag he carried, which, as she knew, was filled to bursting with banknotes. He certainly looked troubled. It is hard to resist the entreaty in a young bride's uplifted face. But this time he could not help himself, and he said, I'm dreadful sorry, but I must ride over to Fairbanks tonight. Mr. Pearson has given me an imperative order to conclude a matter of business there, and it is very important that it should be done. I should lose my position if I neglect this matter, and no one but a housebroken sufferer knows that we keep the money in the house. 
I have always given out that I entrusted to Hale safe overnight. But I cannot stand it, she persisted. You have never left me on these nights. That is why I let Tenny go. I will spend the evening at the larches, or, better still, call in Mr. and Mrs. Talcott to keep me company. But her husband did not approve of her going out or of her having company. The larches was too far away, and as for Mr. and Mrs. Talcott, they were meddlesome people whom he had never liked. Besides, Mrs. Talcott was delicate, and the night threatened storm. It seemed hard to subject her to this ordeal, and he showed that he thought so by his manner, but, as circumstances were, she would have to stay alone, and he only hoped she would be brave and go to bed like a good girl, and think nothing about the money which she would take care to put away in a very safe place. Or, said he, kissing her downcast face, perhaps you would rather hide it yourself. Women always have curious ideas about such things. Yes, let me hide it, she murmured. The money, I mean, not the bag. Everyone knows the bag. I should never dare to leave it in that. And begging him to unlock it, she began to empty it with a feverish haste that rather alarmed him, for he surveyed her anxiously and shook his head as if he dreaded the effects of this excitement upon her. But as he saw no way of adverting it, he confined himself to using such soothing words as were at his command, and then, humoring her weakness, helped her to arrange the bills in the place she had chosen, and restuffing the bag with old receipts till it acquired its former dimensions, he put a few bills on top to make the whole look natural, and, laughing at her white face, relocked the bag and put the key back in his pocket. "'There, dear, a notable scheme, and one that should relieve your mind entirely,' he cried. "'If anyone should attempt burglary in my absence, and should succeed in getting into a house, as safely locked as this will be when I leave it, then trust to their being satisfied when they see this booty, which I shall hide where I always hide it, in the cupboard above my desk.' "'And when will you be back?' she murmured, trembling in spite of herself at these preparations by one o'clock if possible certainly by two and our neighbors go to bed at ten she murmured but the words were low and she was glad he did not hear them for if it was his duty to obey the orders he had received then it was her duty to meet the position in which it left her as bravely as she could at supper she was so natural that his face rapidly brightened, and it was with quite an air of cheerfulness that he rose at last to lock up the house, and make such preparations as were necessary for his dismal ride over the mountains to Fairbanks. She had the supper dishes to wash up in Tenny's absence, and as she was a busy little housewife she found herself singing a snatch of a song as she passed back and forth from dining-room to kitchen. He heard it 
too and smiled to himself as he bolted the windows on the ground floor and examined the locks of the three lower doors and when he finally came into the kitchen with his great coat on to give her his final kiss he had but one parting injunction to urge and that was that she should lock the front door after him and then forget the whole matter till she heard his double knock at midnight she smiled and held up her ingenuous face be careful of yourself she murmured i hate this dark right for you and on such a night too and she ran with him to the door to look out it is certainly very dark he responded but i am to have one of brown's safest horses do not worry about me i shall do well enough and so will you too or you are not the plucky little woman i have always thought you she laughed but there was a choking sound in her voice that made him look at her again but at sight of his anxiety she recovered herself and pointing to the clouds said earnestly it's going to snow be careful as you ride by the gorge ned it's very deceptive there in a snowstorm but he vowed that it would not snow before morning and giving her one final embrace he dashed down the path towards brown's livery stable oh what is the matter with me she murmured to herself as his steps died out in the distance i never knew i was such a coward and she paused for a moment looking up and down the road as if in spite of her husband's command she had the desperate idea of running away to some neighbor but she was too loyal for that and smothering a sigh she retreated into the house as she did so the first flakes fell off the storm that was not to have come till morning it took her an hour to get to her kitchen in order and nine o'clock struck before she was ready to sit down she had been so busy she had not noticed how the wind had increased or how rapidly the snow was falling but when she went to the front door for another glance up and down the road she started back appalled at the fierceness of the gale and at the great pile of snow that had already accumulated on the doorstep too delicate to breast such a wind she saw herself robbed of her last hope of any companionship and sighing heavily she locked and bolted the door for the night and went back into her little sitting-room where a great fire was burning here she sat down and determined now that she must pass the evening alone to do it as cheerfully as possible and so began to sew oh what a christmas eve she thought and a picture of other homes rose before her eyes homes in which husbands sat by wives and brothers by sisters and a great wave of regret poured over her in a longing for something she hardly dared say what lest her unhappiness should acquire a sting that would leave traces beyond the passing moment the room in which she sat was the only one on the ground floor except the dining-room and kitchen it was therefore used both as parlor and sitting-room and held not only her piano but her husband's desk communicating with it was the tiny dining-room between the two however was an entry leading to a side entrance a lamp was in this entry 
and she had left it burning, as well as the one in the kitchen, that the house might look cheerful and as if all the family were at home. She was looking toward this entry, and wondering whether it was the mist made by her tears that made it look so dismally dark to her, when there came a faint sound from the door at its furthest end. But no further sound came from that direction, and after a few minutes of silent terror she was allowing herself